So this month, we're going to be working through a new series called Church Without Limits, and it's a vision series, which means we're going to be expanding upon our vision of pursuing limitless life in Jesus. So in other words, we're going to take five weeks in September to really investigate what that really means. What does it really mean to live limitless life in Jesus? You see, I believe there's untapped potential sitting in every person in this room and every person that's listening to this message online. God wants to do a big thing in your life and through your life. He's just waiting on you to listen to his step-by-step instruction and believe that he really does want to do limitless things in your life. And you're right. If we're just talking about you, you sure can't do it on your own. There's some major limitations when you try to do it on your own. But there's no limitations whenever you hook up with Jesus. So let's take a look at our core scripture here at No Limits. I love this. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. I want to highlight three different parts of this. His mighty power at work within us. I love this because it lets me know that it's a partnership. And our part's really simple. We allow his mighty power to work within us. And the word accomplish. I like that too because the word accomplish means that something actually gets done. This isn't a maybe God will do it. This is a for sure deal like God's going to do it. And then finally, infinitely more. So how much is he going to accomplish? It's infinite. We don't even have the ability to ask or think through what he can accomplish through us when we yield to his power. So speaking of thinking, today's message is all about mindset. Because upgrading your mindset is key to taking the limits off. So let me ask you, do you ever find yourself thinking things like, they don't want me here, I really don't have that much to offer. If I try something new, I'll probably fail, so I'm just going to save myself a little bit of grief and not even try. I can't apply for that job, I'm not good enough. Or maybe you've caught yourself pretending to be somebody else because you were afraid that if they found out the real you, they'd be disappointed. I know I've done that. So let me ask you this, when you hear stories of other people's success, what are your initial thoughts? That could never happen to me. Success is just for a select few. They must be lying because that's too good to be true. How is that even possible? They must have cheated or something to get there, right? You see, Beth and I were gone this past Sunday because we were at a real estate investing conference in Oklahoma City because we believe God wants to do big things in our income. And so our prayer the past several months has been, how? How, Lord, are you going to accomplish this big vision that you've put before us? So our minds and our ears have been open for his direction. And through a chain of small steps of obedience, obedience, we've been led to real estate investing. So here's what I mean by small steps. First, there was a subtle leading to load up my phone with some audio from a recent conference I went to in Colorado. And you see, I really don't like to do those kind of things because like, it's just time consuming and like, you gotta open up iTunes. And for some reason, that's one of those things that Apple makes really complicated. Like, I'm just trying to get some darn MP3s on my phone. Why does it have to be so hard? But I did it anyway. And so the second step was, I was led to listen to the audio that I put on my phone while I was on the plane going to a conference for one of my clients. At this point, you might be thinking, Kate, you go to a lot of conferences. And I would say, you're right, this year, this, this isn't like normal, but I've been to a conference like every month, and it's actually kind of awesome because it grows your mind and grows your perspective. 
Um, so little did I know that I listened to two hours of this audio on the plane to hear one line. And the line was this. Dave Ramsey is where you start learning how to manage money, and Robert Kiyosaki is where you learn how to put your money to work for you. So in other words, Dave Ramsey is step number one in finances, and Robert Kiyosaki is step number two in finances. So I wrote down Robert's name so that I could research it after I got off the plane, because there's no Wi-Fi on the plane. Okay, there's Wi-Fi on the plane, but if you've ever used it, it really sucks, so don't even pay for it. Um, <clears throat> so I did the research, and it really wasn't that exciting of an experience. Like I was like, oh, okay, you know. I know that he wrote the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I read that like five years ago, so I kind of walked away from my computer just thinking, I need to read that book again. But I didn't actually put a plan to read the book again, so as you guys know, that was destined to fail. Anyway, so then a few days later, I receive a marketing email from Robert about a free real estate investing class that was coming to Tulsa. I get a lot of emails. I spend my whole day on my computer. That's just kind of my work life. And so, like, I, I have an email client to where, like, all the promotional emails and things are, like, bulked into, like, one line. And so, usually, I just, like, check it off and move on to the important emails and don't even look at what's in there. But I saw Robert's name. And so, I opened that email. And so, Beth and I went to the free class, which led to us going to a three-day conference last weekend on real estate investing, which led us to enroll in a full-blown real estate investing course. And that's what we're doing right now. So this is what I'm talking about when I say that God wants us to listen and act on the step-by-step instructions he's laying out before us. You see, when desiring to be led by the Lord, you may be looking for some like extravagant instruction, like secrets to be revealed, right? Like it's just going to be this amazing experience. I'm going to get the shakes. I might fall out in the spirit. It's just going to be awesome when God gives me instruction. But more times than not, it's a really simple instruction like this. Turn off the TV and read the book instead. Listen to Cade's sermon from last week on your ride to work, right, right? Go talk to that person that's a few steps ahead of you. I know it's uncomfortable, but you're going to learn something from it. So at the conference last weekend, we were being taught by a lady who's been in real estate investing for 15 years. And, I mean, she was the one teaching the class, so obviously she had found some success in real estate investing. But as she would share some of the real estate investing deals that she had done over the past 15 years, I had kind of this, like, inner struggle going on. That's not real. Even if it happened to her, it's not going to happen to me. She must be making all these stories up to take advantage of me. Even though these thoughts kept popping up throughout the weekend, I did a pretty good job managing them and putting them away and trying to listen. But there was still like this undercurrent of disbelief in what she was saying. So after the conference, I was reflecting on this inner struggle and I had kind of like an aha moment. It's like, oh my gosh, if I shared my story about the success that I found with blogging, you know, those weird, one of those weird internet things that people do? people would probably have the same inner struggle that I was having during the real estate investing conference. Yet I know that my story is 100% true. So you see, in 2012, I started a blog called Collaborate Worship. Basically, I just wanted, my, I just wanted a place to document my journey as a worship leader. 
So I would write about like the leadership techniques that were working for me in worship leading. And I'd also write blogs about how to make the sound better in church because that's a big part of being a worship leader. So I blogged for three years, almost every week, without making a dime. It actually cost me money because I had to pay for the website and blah, 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 blah. There were expenses that went along with it. But then in 2015, I managed to make just under $2,000 for the year which wasn't even enough to cover my expenses. But hey, making progress. Then in 2016, I managed to make $8,000 more than I spent on the blog. $8,000 may not be a lot of money for the year, but it's a pretty big increase from a loss the previous year to $8,000 in profit the next year. But then in 2017, last year, I profited a full-time income from the blog. And get this, I made more money that year from Collaborate Worship than Beth had made the previous year working full-time at the bank. And this wasn't even my full-time gig. It was just a side hustle. And this year it continues to grow. So how many of you just listened to my story and have this inner struggle going on? Maybe you think it's too good to be true. Or maybe you think, that could only happen to Cade, right? Cade's been a worship leader for 10 years, and now he's the pastor of the church, so God just probably loves him more than he loves me, right? It sounds funny when I say it, but how many of us have those thoughts? We look at a position like, we think that the pastor is going to be more blessed than you because you're just a churchgoer, or you're just serving in kids' ministry. But the truth is that the people serving in kids are just as important as the pastor, The people cleaning the bathrooms are just as important as the pastor. The people who show up on Saturday to put cabinets together are just as important as the pastor. So regardless of whether you had those thoughts or not, this morning it's time to upgrade your thinking. It's time to take the limits off of what God wants to do in you and through you. It's time to let God's power work in us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And to do this, what I'm going to do is I'm going to reveal five things that are holding us back. So the first one is fear of failure. Look at this scripture, Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. So this was written by the Apostle Paul. I don't know if you know this, but if you read his story, his life was far from perfect. He was beat up at least eight times, and we're not talking about like a light beating. We're talking about the whips and and everything. It's a bad deal. One time he was even stoned and left for dead. That's when people throw a bunch of rocks at you and try to kill you with them. I know we don't do that today, but that just sounds rather awful. He was shipwrecked three times. You know, this reminds me of the movie Castaway. Has anybody seen that? And then on top of all this, he was actually stolen from. He was put in prison several times. So let's just say you probably wouldn't want his life, or would you? Anybody want to go through all that? So if Paul can say, I can do everything through Christ, then you can say, I can do everything through Christ. Because you're not meant to live life in your own strength. Jesus wants you to pull your strength from him. If you're afraid of failure, you need to get out of your own strength, and you need to get into his strength. Change your thinking from, if I try, I'll fail, to, when I partner with Jesus, failure is not an option. And remember this, just because something doesn't work, 
doesn't mean it was a failure. You just found something that doesn't work. The only way you can fail is to give up. That's it. So instead of giving up, see setbacks as a learning experience and keep moving forward, partnering with Jesus along the way. That's actually one of our core values here for our leadership team is that we're not afraid of failure. Because the last thing we want is for our leadership to be afraid to take a step forward because they're afraid they might fail. So what we've developed is a safe place. If you make a mistake, we're going to help you through it. And we're going to learn from it, and we're going to move on. All right, number two, assuming others' thoughts and intentions. Check out this scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best, believe the best, of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. The Amplified Version, just for Darla. So assuming others' intentions, which is why they said or did something, is one of the easiest ways we withhold love from others. Maybe someone looked at you wrong, and you thought they were mad at you, when really they were just like having some deep thoughts about something else, you know, totally unrelated. They weren't even thinking about you at all, actually. Or maybe you needed help with something, like cleaning up the house, and you assumed that somebody didn't want to help you. So instead of asking them, you got mad at them, Anybody? The problem with assuming intentions is that it puts a wedge between us and the other person. And for God's power to accomplish infinitely more in your life, it's essential to walk in love. One reason is because God is going to also use other people to accomplish things in your life. But more importantly, he's going to use your life to accomplish things in other people's lives. And assuming intentions blocks this from happening because it puts a wall up between you and other people. So when you catch yourself assuming the worst, turn it around and assume the best. For example, assume that they want to help, but they just don't know you need help, and ask them with a smile. I can almost guarantee you that they're going to say yes. Or instead of thinking that your friend must be mad at you, go up, give them a hug. Say, I appreciate you, I love you, I'm here for you. How could that change things? Like, can you guys just kind of like see, like, that's just an overview. That's just two examples. But if we would all stop assuming intentions, assuming what other people were thinking, how much would it improve our relationships? It'd be crazy. All right. Number three, comparing your life with others. So have you ever noticed how life tends to be a comparison game? When someone asks you what you do for a living, in most cases, They don't really care what you do for a living. They just want to see if what they do for a living is better than what you do for a living. And I'd say the most intense game of comparison comes with parents talking about their children, right? Well, my kid plays football. Well, my kid makes straight A's. Well, my baby started crawling when she was six months. Has yours started crawling yet? Look at this scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4.11. Aspire to lead a quiet life, to mind your neighbor's business, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands. This is explaining a life where we don't compare our life with somebody else's life. Because when we're looking at someone else's life, we limit what God wants to do in our life. Let me say that again. When we're looking at somebody else's life, we limit what God wants to do 
in our life. I don't care if they have a house 10 times the size of yours. I don't care if they're a successful entrepreneur. I don't care if they're a doctor. Don't allow yourself to feel inferior around those who you think are better than you. And on the flip side, don't even entertain the thought that you're better than somebody else. Because get this, there's always going to be somebody who's a little worse off than you financially, who may be missing a skill that you have, but you're not better than them. You see, we're all on our own journey with God, and they're all going to look a little bit different. So we have to trust that God's power is working in us not to be somebody else, but to be exactly who he wants us to be. The comparison trap stops with us. All right, number four, living in regret. So remember that last time that you messed up like big time. Like, you, know, you just know you really disappointed God, and you're not sure that he's over it yet. Because you're sure not over it. Well, check this out. Romans 8, 1 and 2. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin. Where we get stuck in this is the no condemnation part. Because it's not until we understand this that we're actually able to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and get free from sin. Like, we have to get that no condemnation part first. And here's a spoiler alert. You're incapable of freeing yourself from sin. There is no amount of willpower that's going to keep you 100% out of trouble. Has anybody figured that out yet? Yeah. You see, we get caught in this cycle of we make a mistake, we spend a few days few weeks maybe, maybe even a few years, feeling bad about it. And as soon as we get over that, we make the mistake again. And the vicious cycle, it just continues and continues. So you're either living in sin or you're living in regret. You're living in sin or you're living in regret. And you never find freedom. You see, the devil tricks us into thinking that living in regret somehow pays for our sin. As long as I feel bad about myself, God's going to love me. So we live our life in condemnation also known as regret. Those words are interchangeable. And we never experience the power of the Holy Spirit, which means we don't get free from sin. We get it all backwards. Like we try to fix ourselves. We try to get away from the sin. I can do this in willpower. God needs me to do this. It's all in my own strength. I've got to figure this out. I've got to stop doing that. And we get stuck there. But what God's waiting on us to do is to realize the no condemnation part, the no regret part. Like, son, daughter, is what he's saying. If you could just get over the regret and get over the condemnation, that would allow the power of the Holy Spirit to come in you and free you from sin. You wouldn't have to do it on your own because you can't do it on your own. So our job is to separate ourselves from our sin. My identity is not what I do. It's who I am in Christ. Then go directly to God and thank him for the forgiveness that was already there and move on. Leave the sin and the regret behind. Don't even look at it anymore. You're not doing God a favor by feeling bad about yourself. You're only limiting what he wants to do in your life. We don't waste one moment in regret. All right, number five, a limited experience of God's love. 1 John 4.18 says, Such love has no fear, because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, 
It's for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. So when we understand God loves us, I mean, we really understand it. We walk through life with a confidence that we couldn't gain otherwise. You see, if we're, talk- if we're walking around in fear, maybe it's fear of failure, fear of people, fear of the future. It's an indication that you don't fully understand God's love. And to simplify, to simplify what we've talked about today, it all comes down to this one thing, love. Because when we understand God's amazing love for us, all the limitations just begin to fall off. We no longer have to prove ourselves to others because we're confident in who he's called us to be. We don't waste time in regret because we know God's already forgiven all of our mistakes, past, present, and future. It's already done. He did it. We don't try to live someone else's life because we trust God's plan for our own life. God's love is where it's at, and it's the only way to live a limitless life in Jesus is to understand his love and to walk in it.